Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> this is from the book, Ghost Stories of Texas, by Joanne Christensen, published by Lone Pine Publishing. You can find them at LonePinePublishing.com or at GhostBooks.net the ghostly governor's mansion. It would be the most famous house in Texas, even if it did not have a ghost. But the governor's mansion on Colorado Avenue in Austin is haunted not just by one, but two spirits. There is the tortured soul of a young man and the apparition of one of the state's most revered heroes, both of whom suffered great disappointments, died during the Civil War years and chose this stately home as their afterlife residence. Aside from those similarities, these two phantoms have little in common. There aren't many Texas school children who couldn't tell you something about Sam Houston. Houston was the first president of the Transit Republic of Texas and the seventh governor of the state. He was undeniably a great man, yet Houston was unceremoniously ousted from his official residence and ejected from office when he refused to pledge his alliance to the Confederacy. As the Civil War approached, the humiliation of leaving the mansion was under such circumstances must have been almost too much for the ventured father of Texas to bear. He died only a few years later, disgraced, brokenhearted, and perhaps worrying that his ejection from the office would overshadow his long and otherwise glorious list of accomplishments. Those thoughts must have haunted him in his final years, so it is little wonder that Sam Houston returned to haunt the scene of his dishonor. It was not long after his death that visitors to the governor's mansion began to report fleeting glimpses of the old man, a sad-eyed figure that would vanish whenever someone tried to approach it. Over the decades, Houston has proved to be as steadfast in death as he was in life. His somber presence has been felt by numerous governors and their families, who have claimed that the specter rattles dishes and windows and stomps through the mansion in his boots. In the mid-1980s, Governor Mark White's daughter, Elizabeth, refused to enter the bedroom directly opposite that of her parents saying that something about it frightened her. That something might have been the ghost of Sam Houston, for that room had been his bedroom when he was in residence. First Lady Gail White understood her daughter's feelings, for she had had an encounter of her own with the late general. One evening, as Gail White prepared to retire, 
she noticed that in Sam Houston's former bedroom, a light had been left shining over his portrait. Miss White stepped into the room and extinguished the lamp, then closed the door behind her and went across the hall to bed. The next morning, Miss White was the first person in the mansion to rise. When she walked out of her bedroom, she was surprised to see that the door across the hall was wide open and the lamp was once again shining on the portrait. The first lady felt that Sam Houston's spirit may have been responsible for the strange event. Sam must have been walking these halls, she told a reporter, and he's not even supposed to be the ghost here. The fellow who is supposed to be the ghost is Barrow Gill, is not famous by name. He is best known by his family connection as he was the 19-year-old nephew of Peddleton Murr, governor of Texas during the Civil War. The boy had been visiting the governor in the mansion in 1864 when his romance with a lovely young woman turned sour. The story goes that the girl had been flirtatious and encouraging until her suitor proposed marriage. She then turned cold and rejected the poor fellow. Heartsick and utterly crestfallen, the boy locked himself in the north bedroom of the mansion. At precisely midnight, he put a pistol to his head and pulled the trigger. He had obviously planned to put an end to his suffering, but within days of the boy's tragic end, people were beginning to suspect that he had not been entirely successful. Pained moans and wells could be heard coming from the bedroom, and the air within it had suddenly become extremely cold. If Governor Murr was aware of the room's sudden change of atmosphere, it is unlikely that he devoted much thought to it, with the South rapidly losing the war and Murr losing his own personal battle with tuberculosis. Other concerns occupied his mind. In fact, only a short time after his nephew's suicide, Texas surrendered to Union forces, and the governor was forced to flee to Mexico. He left many unfinished bits of personal business behind, including his wife, who had been taken in by relatives, and the nasty job of cleaning up the mess in the north bedroom. Servants had been left to take care of the mansion, were not about to mop up the gore. They were already refusing to enter the haunted room. It wasn't long before the help was fleeing the mansion, just as the governor had done. It wasn't the Yankees striking fear into their hearts, however. It was the ghost. The blood-spattered wall was still waiting when the Union-appointed governor, Andrew Hamilton, moved into the mansion. The horrid mess was finally cleaned, but there was little that the maids could do about the tortured ghost. Day in and day out, the specter of the boy wailed and cried in anguish. Sometimes there were noises of banging on the walls of the room. On Sundays, the day when he had pulled the trigger, the sobbing grew worse. Finally, the spirit became as much an embarrassment as the fright to the new governor, and he ordered the room to be sealed. When it was reopened years later, the sounds of the despair could still be heard. They served as a sad reminder of the tragedy and are said to persist to this day. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Portrait Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Portrait Gals. 
You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at roguemedianetwork.com. You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. Thank you.